Before we pray together this morning and, and look at the Word of God together, I want us to think about over the last nine weeks, if you've been experiencing our time together, that um, we've been talking about living free. What does that mean? And we begin with the words of Jesus in John chapter 8, where it tells us that Christ says, if you're in him, if you believe in him, you are free indeed. And so that's not like left up in the air, like eternity and 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 being free from sin and, and being free from the death grip that Satan has on you. Like that's not left up for like, well, maybe that, that's, that's your freedom. Maybe you have that. No, he says, you're free indeed. And those are huge words that you are free indeed, that you have been set free from the power of sin and death because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so that has set us up just over the last few weeks of hearing that we are free to live this mission not for ourselves, not for the flesh, and not for what we want, not just to get more stuff and, and all this kind of stuff, but, but to live a life through love serving others. And that includes through the stresses of life and the burdens of life that we would trust God in those moments and that we would be people more concerned about others, putting the needs of others before ourselves. And it impacts our relationships. It impacts not only our relationships, it impacts our wallets, it impacts our money. We've seen that over the last two weeks and we've seen that as many of us have gone through Financial Peace University of how huge it is for us to see money as a discipleship issue and that what we do with that reflects of where our heart is and that we're to be generous, not close-handed, but open-handed people. And so we've seen that over the last many weeks. And today I wanna close us out on this series and I want us to see something that is near and dear to the heart of God. I mean, it's, it's got a special place in God's heart and it, is especially related to our mission. Our mission is those who have been set free that not to use it for an opportunity for the flesh, but an opportunity through love to serve one another. And so I'm totally messing with you guys this morning on something. If you got it in your bulletin, if you read the intro to today, we are not going that direction. I, I totally, and so I saw some of you guys, I'm walking in, you got Philippians 1 open and like you're reading it. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're reading that. Well, I'm glad they're reading the Bible, but that's not where we're going today. But if you want to like be it, but you could be really cool and be ahead because we're going to look at that November 29th together. So it's like, just think of it that way. Jerry, Derek, Jerry just didn't throw a change on me. He's ahead. No, I don't know about that. But no, the 29th, we're going to look at that. And today I'm just throwing a curveball on you. And, um, and so we're going to see something near and dear to God's heart. And so I want you to keep Ephesians 1 open that Matt read for us. And we're also going to look at Romans 8 a little bit this morning. But I want you to think of the following 17 names this morning with me. You'll know many of these names, if not all of them. The first one is Aristotle. The second one is Johann Sebastian Bach. The next one is Charles Dickens. Leo Tolstoy, Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Babe Ruth, Nat King Cole. I like that. Nelson Mandela. Let's throw some presidents in the mix. President John Hancock, President Gerald Ford, President Bill Clinton. 
First Lady Nancy Reagan. Eric Clapton. Faith Hill. Jamie Foxx. Steve Jobs. 17th and last. Maybe give it away a little bit. Dave Thomas. I don't know if you know Dave Thomas. Founder of Wendy's. I threw that in to make you hungry. All right? Or to make you sick. I don't know. One of the two. But if you're sitting there and you're trying to guess what in the world are you doing, why listing those names, and if you guessed that all 17 of these had one thing, the same thing in common, what would that one thing be? And it would be that they were all adopted. In some way or form or fashion, they all experienced adoption. I did some crazy investigation this week. And if you look at my search on my computer, you'd be like, why in the world is he looking up Babe Ruth? Why is he looking up Marilyn Monroe? Why is he looking up J.B. Fox? Why is he looking at all these guys? And I started doing all this research with these people because I really wanted to see because I've seen these lists. There's tons of them on there. I'm like, really? And you start looking, you're like, wow, dude. Crazy stories. Go read Babe Ruth. My goodness. And some of the stories out there and just... But the element in them all, in some way, form, or fashion, whether it was through losing a dad and maybe a stepdad coming in the picture and adopting, whatever it was, it's, it was all unique and, and special to them. They, they experienced adoption. And if you think about these people in one way or the other, they've influenced our world. But when you get down to it, their lives were all influenced when they were all in a lonely place in a hard place, in a tough place. And their lives were all impacted by adoption. Someone who loved them, someone who made a difference in their lives. And many of us in here, you've impacted children. You, you've had your own children. You've impacted their lives as being their parents. Many in here, you serve our children. You've done it in one way or form or fashion on Sunday morning or other ways. You've impacted Kids here at the Ridge, and we're so grateful for that. Maybe you're in here today and you're a teacher. Maybe you teach preschool. Maybe you teach different grade levels within our schools here in the community. You're a coach or whatever. You have impacted children. But I want us to hear today that we are all called to impact the orphans in our world. Those without a home in our world. It is the church's responsibility. It's the people of God's responsibility to have a clue of the plight of the orphans in our world. And for those who have experienced the vertical love of God, because it's a vertical love that, that is amazing, that will blow your mind away, and we're going to look at it in a bit, but those who have experienced that type of love were to express that love. It has a movement. It goes vertical to horizontal. And we're to horizontally love, yes, our neighbor, yes, one another. But we can't forget that we're called to love the orphans of the world. You see, today's National Orphan Day. It's National Orphan Care Day. It's the adoption month. It's the focus. And man, it's near dear to my heart. It's something that stirs me anytime I think of the plight of children in our world today. But it's an important issue for the church because God has called the church 
to be active in caring for the orphans of the world. You can't get by it. It's all over scripture. In fact, in the Psalms, in Psalm 82.3, God tells us to defend the cause of the poor, to defend the cause of the fatherless. In James chapter 127, James tells us what pure, true religion is, is to visit the orphan and widow in their distress. In Psalm 68.6, it tells us to make a home for the lonely, those who are without a family, those who are alone and need a home. We're to care for them. If you look at the word orphan in the Greek, it's the word orphanus. It's the word James used in James 1.27. It's also a word that Jesus used, though. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's telling his disciples. He's preparing them. He's about to leave earth. And he's about to die. And he's about to be raised up. And he's about to be ascended to the right hand of God. But before that, he tells his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. Because the Holy Spirit is going to come and not only be around you, not only be near you, but he's going to come and live inside of you. And so you will no longer be alone. That word orphan means a child who's neglected. That word orphanus means one who is all alone, who has no one to care for them. It's the child who faces the world that we live in without the provision, without the protection, without the nurture that parents uniquely provide. That's who an orphan is. And so today I want to do three things. I want to challenge us to have our eyes opened I want to challenge us to not only have our eyes open, but our hearts open, that God would enlarge our hearts to love like him, and that also that he would open our hands, our homes, and our arms to care for orphans. And so to do that, I, I thought, okay, how do we do that? We, we show videos, we show pictures, we can, we can do that. And I'm not a stats guy, I'm not a numbers guy, but they tell a picture they tell a picture of the reality and the reality of individuals, of souls, of millions of kids across this world that are orphans. And so if you go big, if you think of the world, what's the plight of the world? What's the reality of this issue in the world? There's 150 million orphans throughout the world. But that number doesn't tell the whole story. There's probably two to eight million that are in institutions that don't go into that number. That number of 150 million are those who are living in homes now but are orphans. It doesn't include those who are living on the streets today, many third world countries. It doesn't include those who are exploited for labor or victims of trafficking, which even happens here. Or those who participate in armed conflict, which happens in many African countries, Sudan and other places, where groups, terrorist groups, come in and they'll kill mom and dad or maybe one of the parents and then take the kid and put them into their band of army and they'll join the fight. And so the number of the plight is huge. It also doesn't include those who are living on the streets that are known as social orphans. And it's a new term for me this week, but I found this very interesting. It's those who may have one or maybe even both parents 
alive, but they rarely see them or experience life in a family with them, and some never actually see them at all. And they're kind of the forgotten ones. And so these statistics, they help. They don't tell the whole story, but they give us a picture of that, yes, there is a reality in this world that orphans need the care of the church. In the U.S., we have 500,000 orphans currently. In Texas, there are 27,000. According to Bruce Kendrick with Embrace Texas, if you bring it down to our own neighborhoods, in the DFW area, we have about 300, or excuse me, 3,500 foster cares, or kids in foster care at any time. And roughly in that year, we have 6,000 that go through the foster care system. Currently, there are 1,000 kids in the foster care system here in the DFW area that are waiting to be adopted. They're waiting. If you think about the number, though, here in the United States, here in Texas, here in DFW, of that big number of 500,000, 25,000 of those children, they will age out of CPS. They'll age out of it. And the stats for those 500,000, they're hard. 40% will never finish high school. 65% of those kids will end up homeless or end up in jail. They're twice as likely to be addicted to drugs or alcohol. And so you hear those numbers this morning, and they're real numbers. Some of those not new to maybe many of us in here today. For some of us, maybe they're a little shocking. For some of us, maybe we're like, yeah, I, and I, I get that. That makes sense. But I want you to hear today that they're more than numbers. They're individuals. They're, they're children all over the world that may not speak my language, may not speak our language in here this morning. They live in a different culture. They may not have the same skin color that you and I have. But, there's a song. There's a song that was the second one, probably the second one for, for you growing up, especially if you grew up in a Christian home, that, that you learned that really says it all. Says it all. And I could sing it. I could sing it. But I'm going to save you that. No. Yeah. I'm going to let her sing it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell her I put her up there. She's going to want royalties or something. I'm just kidding. But I love that because that's God's heart, right? I mean, that's God's heart. We, we learned that, probably the second song we learned. That is God's heart. He loves all, but he has a special, I believe this, he has a special place and concern for the fatherless of the world in his heart. And he wants us to have that kind of heart as well. He has loved us vertically that way. 
And so he wants our eyes open to that, but he also wants our hearts open to love like him, to the fatherless, to those who are alone. And so I want to ask you this this morning. Have you, have you ever thought about the vertical to horizontal movement of Christianity? Have you, have you ever thought about that? We've, we've talked about it a few years ago. I kind of talked about it this way as well. But I want us to think about that again this morning. In Ephesians chapter 1, Matt read this in verse 3 through 5. Listen to what Paul says. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. This is a loaded verse. And there are some amazing things in this verse. But I want you to hear there, hear that God is the inventor of adoption. He's the inventor of it. It's been part of his heart, part of his plan before the creation of the world. And so what does that mean? That adoption, caring for the orphans, the, those who are alone and afflicted in this context of scripture by sin and by death and are separated who are not sons, who are not daughters, that that is part and central, adopting those is central to God's redemptive story. And it shapes the way we see the world. It, it should shape the way we see the need to care for orphans. So how we think and about adoption, how we think and care about orphans, how we think and care about foster care, how we think about that whole thing should be influenced and determined how we understand what God has done vertically in adopting us. You see, our adoption should be, it should inform how we love others, how we love all people. And so think about that for a second. He just said here that we have been chosen in Jesus before the foundation of the world. He has loved us and he predestined us to adoption. So, so before there was water on the earth, before a, a tree sprouted, before he said, let there be light, he said, I'm adopting you. I'm adopting you. You're going to be my son. You're going to be my daughter before you were even a thought. In anybody else's mind, God said, he's going to be in my family. She's going to be in my family. She's going to be my daughter. He's going to be my son. Wow. That's huge. That's the foundation of understanding God's vertical love is that it has been part of his plan before he wonderfully created you in your mother's womb and put you together and knit you together. He already had it in his heart that he was going to take you out of the trap of sin and death and he was gonna set you free and make you his son and daughter. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter two that Matt read in verse 12 that before one comes into the family of God, they are at that time, Paul says, separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What does that simply mean? There's a lot there, but 
You and I are in bondage, obviously. Without knowing God and without having Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we're in need of this great big rescue. We're in need of a salvation, of a saving. And then verse 13, he tells us, I got good news. But now in Jesus Christ, you who formerly were far off have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that's the good news, that even though we were far off, we weren't a part of the family of God, God now through Jesus comes down by grace. Nothing you do, nothing I do, and he takes us and says, listen, little one, now come and be in my family forever. And it was costly. It cost Jesus. And by the blood of Christ, we now be adopted. His vertical love was a costly love. It was vindicated by his resurrection. It was sealed up when we were given the Holy Spirit. But God says, you're my son and you're my daughter. We're taken out of hopelessness and bondage. We're now part of a family. And in Romans 8, chapter 14 through 15, I want you maybe to turn there too. I thought today, to be honest with you guys, I thought we're just going to teach Romans 8, 1 through 28. And then 28 verses, I think, there. And I thought, well, I don't know about that. That may be too much. <laughs> but if you look at verse 14 and 15, look at this. Because this whole chapter is about God's vertical love for you and I. What he did through Christ. Not to bring condemnation but in great love through his grace, he has placed us in his family. We don't deserve it, but he placed us in it. And listen to what he says in Romans 8, 14 through 15. He says, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I shared this with the 9 a.m. crew, and, and it, I, I hope you get this, but I read this verse this morning, and something just landed on my heart. And I thought for a second, is this real? Is it, does this really happen? But, but one of the things that, you just saw Eliana up there. My wife and I, we have four kids. We love our kids, obviously. We love them all. And there's no different degree of our love. I mean, they're, they're, we love them all. But there is something, I'll be honest with you, when, when Eliana looks up, and I know Annette maybe feels this way too, but when Eliana looks up and she says, Daddy, there is something where just God's grace just like blows up in my heart. <laughs> I mean, just in a good way. And I just, and I started thinking this morning, I was like, wow, that's, that's what God does. Where, where he tells us, he takes us and he says, listen, I know you were not my son before. You were not my daughter before. And, and I wasn't your father before, but now you are. And that's been made possible through Jesus on the cross. And, and now I give you a spirit, not a spirit of fear, but man, this spirit that can now come to me. And you don't have to be afraid of me or anything like that. You can come to me and crawl up, crawl up in my lap. You can cuddle up with me and I will hold you. And you can say, Daddy, to God. That's the kind of relationship that God has with us. He wants to have with us. He's our father. And for some of us, when we hear that, that totally messes us up because of maybe the dads we had. 
But that's who God is. He is a loving father that says, no, I want you to crawl up on my lap. I want you to come. Man, when you get hit, when you get hurt, when you have pain, when you have issues in your life during the week, I want you to crawl up and I want you to come to me and say, daddy. And he says, yes, son. Yes, daughter. And that's the uniqueness of Christianity. It's this love that is unlike any other love that you've been once not part of the family, but now you are part of the family and you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it or work for it or anything like that. But God just looked down and said, I want you. I want you. And I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Maybe you never felt like you, you could be on a team before. Nobody ever really wanted you. But God says, I want you. I want you. So much that I even gave up Jesus my own son, because that's how bad I want to have a relationship with you. And you can call me daddy. And I'll be your father. You see, the uniqueness of Christianity, this vertical movement, is that it never begins with man. Man doesn't make the first move. God makes the first move. And before you and I could even love and express this horizontal love, to other people, to love our neighbor, to care for orphans. We've got to experience this vertical love. The Bible tells us that we love because God first loved us. So this vertical love that we must experience through Jesus Christ must happen first. Without it, there is no Christianity. There is no life change. Not only now are we his sons and daughters and part of his forever family, but I want you to hear this last point. In Romans 8, 23, it tells us that we now will have a new home and the new creation. Romans 8, 23, listen to what he says. So you have this past effect of what, or element of this vertical love that, that before the creation world, we were destined to be adopted by him. Then you have this present experience of coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, adoption paper stamped. But the full consummation of that, Romans 8, 23, listen to what happens. He says, we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. We wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so Paul says here, there's something special about our adoption that hasn't happened yet. It's already, we're adopted. It's already, we're sons and daughters, but it's also a not yet kind of thing. That's what the kingdom of God does. And so in the future, there is something coming that we are waiting for. New heavens, new earth. That's our destiny. That's our home. That's what's coming. Read Revelation, the end. That's what it's about. That's what we're waiting for. That's what inside we're groaning for. Even creation is growing for it. It's groaning for it. The best way I can think about this on an earthly level is when we received Eliana into our family in the hospital. I'll never forget it. Mind-blowing day. Rocked my world. Rocked Annette's world. Oh my goodness. This is really happening. And... Yes, she was our daughter. But then six months later, you go before court and you, you get papers signed, you get a certificate, you get a picture with the judge and all this kind of stuff. And, and but that's the day where they say, done, finished. She's your daughter. 
And there's something that happens on the day. You're like, well, I already knew that, but man, now I really know it. And wow, wow, the full consummation of that. Whoa. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Yeah, you're already sons and daughters, but there is something coming. The full consummation of your adoption, it's, it's out there. It's coming. It's new heavens, new earth. Are you ready for that? And man, that's going to be a mind-blowing day. Mind-blowing day. And that's what's coming. All because of God's vertical love. And so here's one of us to think. So God's vertical love, him adopting us, it is to impact and affect how we represent Jesus horizontally to others. How we who are free love others by serving them. It's to impact that. It's to fuel that, influence that. Jesus left this earth physically, and he has called you and I to represent him physically. When he wants to touch something, what does he do? He uses you and I to impact that person or that area of the world. When he wants to do that, he uses us. When Jesus wants to speak, what does he want to do? He wants to use my mouth and your mouth. That's what he wants to do. When he wants to go somewhere, where Jesus wants to go somewhere, he wants to use your feet and my feet. And that's how his vertical love gets expressed horizontally here on earth. And so what does that mean? What does that mean with the plight of orphans? If you go back to Psalm 82, if you go back to Psalm 68, if you go back to James 1, 27, it says clearly, church, the horizontal love that you're to be expressing, this vertical love that is horizontally to be expressed through you is to be expressed toward the orphans of the world. And yes, church, it's our issue, not the state's. Not government. According to the Bible, it's us. And so what do we do? So we're called now to open up our arms and to care for them. We're called to open up our hands and to care for them. We're called to open up our homes and care for them. And so I think the first thing is this. We've got to pray. It always has to begin with prayer. We've got to pray. And there are families in here that are fostering children. And there are families in here that have adopted. And, and, and man, we pray for them. We, we keep them on our minds. We lift them up. Because it's, it's hard. I got an email this week. I asked some families in our church this week. I said, just, can you just tell me a little bit about what you would say about adopting or caring for orphans, because I know you've been there or foster care or whatever. And so that one of the things I got back from one is just to say, hey, it's, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. It's, it's not for sissies. That's, my, that's not what they said. That's, what I, that's how I kind of summed it up. It's, it's, it's not. I mean, and it's not. But on the other hand, they said, whoa, what a blessing. <laughs> And, and they are more blessed. They don't know their life, what it would be without it. They are blown away. They're blessed by the love of God that they get to experience that. But we pray for them. We lift them up. We pray for them. And when you see or hear something in the news, you see something on TV, we, we pray. We pray for those Sudanese kids miles and miles away and we we cannot forget 
We pray for the kids in war-torn Iraq, places where they're being pushed to armed services. I mean, you name it, we pray. We pray, pray for those thousand that are waiting to be adopted and pray church where there's how many Christians in the DFW area and how much money the Christian church has in the DFW area and there's a thousand kids waiting? I don't, I don't know. My math adds up to where, well, why doesn't that thousand equal zero? I mean, I don't know. That's just, maybe I live in a naive world. <laughs> Or maybe it's, it's a hopeful world. But I don't know. I, I think about that. I'm thinking, man, should there be a thousand kids waiting to be adopted in the foster care system? Would it just blow the doors off the state and the foster care system if those thousand got just lovingly cared for? I know there's special needs issues. I know that they're older. They're 15 and whatever and older. And I know those are hard. And I know they seem impossible. But I, sometimes I just wonder... Just wonder what if the church said, that's our issue. That's our issue. And so we pray. We pray. We open up our homes. I mean, obviously, we open our homes, and there are many in here who have done that, and what a blessing to watch you guys and see that. And we've been, the bless, been able to, to, to receive that blessing of, of receiving just a sweet girl in our home. It could be local adoption. It, it could be local and it could be open. It could be closed adoption. There's all elements of that. It could be foreign, obviously, international. And some of you guys have done that. It could be through fostering to adopt. And some of you guys have walked that path and are in that right now and doing that right now. So it could be opening your home, but it could be opening your hands as well. And we have seen the best blessing of that being assisted in our adoption by those here at the church. We have been able to, as a church, take our adoption fund that we have here and been able to, to, to receive calls from, from parents who are fostering kids in our church and say, listen, we've got this need, we've got this tough need, and I cannot tell you how amazing it is to be able to go back to them and say, listen, hey, we have this resource, we want to bless you with this from the Ridge family to you, and man, it blows their socks off. But that's because you have open hands and through our Advent giving over the last few years, you have filled up that adoption fund and you've blessed other families, whether it's through helping with adoption, whether it's through helping them with just basic needs and caring for kids when they get into the home here because the needs don't stop. They continue. And so we've got to continue to have open hands. And so today, my whole goal is just to encourage us that we would not forget. And we can get so caught up in our little worlds, right? We can, that we can forget. We can lose sight of something that is near and dear to God's heart and should be to ours as well. Now, does it mean that all of us are called to adopt? Does it mean all of us are called to foster? No, that's not what it means. But it does mean that we all have a part. And so the question is, what's my part? What's the part that God wants me to play? And so we must pray today about that and ask the Lord, God, what's my part? And you see, God in his great vertical love, he did something great. We know that. We get that. But why don't we attempt something great? Why don't we attempt something great too for the children of the world that are alone and need a home? 
I said it earlier, raising kids is not for sissy. Every parent in here, we get that. You think about kids, they change your life. Have you ever thought about life without one of your kids? Wow, man, they change your world. Maybe <laughs> you're there today and maybe your kids are out of the house. The nest is empty and you're cool with that. <laughs> but maybe God hasn't retired you. Let me throw that wrench in it, <laughs> just for you. I've seen stories, I've known some people from earlier in life where kids are out, God gets a hold of their heart and says, let's go take an adventure. And they jump back in and bring kids into their home. So maybe God still has another adventure. We've been talking about money the last few weeks here, the services. Many of you guys have been going through Financial Peace University. And we want to have our emergency accounts, right? We want to have retirement set up. But let me ask you two questions. You could have a lot of zeros, right? You could have a lot of zeros. But let me ask you guys this. What if you could be somebody's hero today? You may not have millions saved up and waiting for you when you're 62 or whatever that age is. David, help me out in a little bit. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's the beard, man. It's the beard. By the way, it looks very good. But I'm just kidding. So you may not have that, but you can make a million-dollar difference in the life of a kid. I mean, that's how we have to think. And really, if you think about it, as we've been going through financial peace and talking about live free, I mean, isn't that what it's about? It's not about hoarding and it's not about gaining all this. No, it's about so we can become like this and like this and love and serve. When I know that's why we're set free. And God has a big heart, big heart for the fatherless in the world. And he wants us to. Because there are kids that need to be loved, kids that need to be protected, kids that need a warm meal, kids that need a home, and we have a surplus of that. So today as we close, I want to ask you this one question. It's big. Do you know the vertical love of God? Do you know what we talked about today? Could you say, yes, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God? Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I'm alone. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I, I don't know that love. I don't know that fatherly love that you talked about today that God has. But you want to know that love. Today I want you to know you can, you can experience that. You can know that firsthand and have this personal relationship with a loving father just as we heard today. The Bible tells us if we would trust, if we would believe in our heart, in Christ who died for us and rose again. The Bible says, if you will confess that he is Lord, you will be saved, you'll be rescued from this life of loneliness, this, this life that has no meaning and, and no purpose and God will take you and he'll give you a meaning, he'll give you a purpose, he'll give you a home, a forever home with him and you could call him daddy. And he will love you like a father. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. 
and you'll always be his. So believe in Jesus today, trust him and receive his love. Let's pray.